Hello and welcome to Golden Grenades, a weekly podcast about birds with stories from those of us who worship them, all set against the uplifting and heartwarming backdrop of the end of the world. My name is Kit, aka Yolo Birder, and each week I am joined by a special guest who must imagine that they have survived an impending environmental Armageddon and that they have managed to save five species of bird to exist in this post-apocalyptic world with them. This week, my special guest is Fife Dangerfield. Fife is a musician and songwriter and founder and frontman of the band Guillemots. Their debut album was nominated for a Mercury Music Prize in 2006, and the band enjoyed a string of top 40 hits and created four albums together. Fife has also released a solo album, Fly Yellow Moon, and in recent years has been making music again and releasing this for free through his Channels May Change website. At the onset of the pandemic last year, Fife started live-streaming weekly gigs via Instagram on a Saturday night, often in his dressing gown, entertaining his legion of fans during lockdown. He has been an admirer of birds since childhood and last year contributed to the fundraising book Red 67, a book of art and words for the UK's most vulnerable bird species. And last month he released his brand new Birdwatcher EP. Fife, hello. How are you? Hello. Hello. I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. I'm thrilled to have you on today and I've been hoping to catch up with you for ages. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. It's a pleasure. We've been chatting about birds sporadically on Twitter since 2014, no less. It's been a while, yeah. Uh, And I don't think I found anyone before that sort of combined birdwatching knowledge with kind of, you know, humour or (laughs) irreverence. Because like, it can be quite a uh, quite a serious world, can't it? It can, and and I think that's one of the well, that's that's exactly this the reason I joined Twitter in the first place was to have a bit of fun about bird watching. Because you're right, it can be very serious sometimes, and yeah, and in fact, the the first conversation we had properly on Twitter was you'd put out a tweet about hit me up with some birdie type questions, and a few people came in with questions for you, and my question. I remember I was in the pub with the dog. He'd he'd taken me to the pub after a walk, and. Um, <laughs> We were in the pub and I was looking through my tweets and I asked you, if you could be any bird, what would you be? And a couple of minutes later, you came back and you were like, oh, that's a that's a really big question. It is a big yeah, question. You, and yeah, and you had to go and sleep on it. And you came back the next morning with a lovely answer, which I think is one of your birds today. And I'll... Yeah, I think I know what it yeah. is. Yeah. So we'll not yeah. we'll not come out with any spoilers early doors, but it was no. obviously a big decision for you. Everything's a big decision for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a massive procrastinator, so yeah. Um Another one we talked about as well, which was more recent, was you just said, imagine having a water rail under your bed. How scary would that be? Oh, God. <laughs> I, rem- I do remember that now. Yeah, that rings a bell. So, and every every yeah. time I see or, or think of a water rail now, I always imagine a slightly oversized water rail under the bed. It is a strange bird, isn't it? Yeah. It is. A- the noise they make as well. Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> We had, well, we'd met to meet up eventually last year, hadn't we? Because we'd penciled in a gig for you to come up to Newcastle. Yes. Yeah, hopefully we'll, yeah, it was around the, the launch of your book. Yeah, the Red, the Red 67 book, and you'd contributed to to a page of that with a beautiful, dreamy sort of aspirational story about one day seeing a dot roll, which was fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, I'd hoped to have a bit of a launch event up here, which was going to culminate in a, in a Fife Dangerfield gig, but one day that will happen. Yeah, it will. We'll find another time and yeah, yeah that would be good. And you can come up and we can go and do some bird watching. See, that sounds ideal. Doing a gig and then yeah. Yeah, playing music and bird watching. Yeah. It'd be great. I could show you some Sounds night like jars day. or something. I don't know. Oh, I love night jars. Yeah. Who doesn't? I really, really. 
Actually, I should. I didn't think of that in my five. I'm gonna keep thinking of other birds I could have put in now. I, I remember this one time really quite vividly when I was on holiday with my folks in, I think it was Italy, and I, I must have been 16 or something. It was the evening, it was nighttime, we'd been out to dinner somewhere. <laughs> I seem to remember my mum was really obsessed with like being in Italy. She was like, I'm gonna find a nice spaghetti bolognese. And then, and then we kind of find <laughs> out that actually that's not really an Italian dish. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's a sort of English, you know. But anyway, but we, we stopped somewhere and there, was, there were night jars which we first heard and then saw flying around. But there was also um, Peacock making that haunting noise it makes. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. I don't know why, I guess there must have been like some, I don't know, some stately home around there that had peacocks in the garden or something. But it was just this very spooky and it was kind of like in a forest, like yeah. uh, with a bit of clearing and, you know, it was just a very spooky kind of, but in a nice way, you know, <laughs> a very ghost, ghostly kind of moment. That's quite an incongruous image, peacocks and night jars. I, I know, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I didn't see the peacocks. I just, I just heard that. But like, yeah. But the noise the night jars make and the way they look too. I think that's the only time we've ever seen them. They're yeah. tricky to see unless you, you know where you... Yeah. Peacocks and night jars would be a good name for a song, actually. I've just thought of that. It's a good name for something, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I was going to save this for later, but now we're talking about night jars completely accidentally. I've written you some lyrics, and and I'm sure that right. uh, with your knack for a tune, it'll be a smash hit. So it's called Nightjar Superstar. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. And it goes like this. Standing near the quarry as the light begins to fade. Right. Savaged by mosquitoes, but my mind will not be swayed. You're a nightjar superstar cheering in the night. You're a nightjar superstar eating moths in flight. Your cheering is so groovy. I'll make you a moth smoothie in my special blender in honor of your splendor if you just come home with me. Wow, God, I wasn't expecting the last line, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I like it that you can hear a bit of um. What were the first couple of lines again? Hang on, you can hear a kind of Dylan. Uh... <laughs> oh, he's got the guitar out. You can definitely hear the. Uh... Yeah, you can hear. Standing by the quarry, his leg begins to bleed. Sinners, mosquitoes. You can hear that kind of. <laughs> that is awesome. Awesome. You'll have to send me them. We'll have to. Uh, we'll have to try and do it. Uh, oh yeah. man, that would be a dream come true. A co-written song with Fife Dangerfield. Yeah. <laughs> I'll um. I'll maybe mention my Christmas hit about winter thrushes or come all you turdus later. Well, yeah, we'll we'll save oh, wow. we'll okay. save that for another time. Where were we? Where were we? I don't know. Yeah, night jars and, night jars and uh, that took a tangent that I didn't expect. <laughs> so the other thing I was going to ask you about is Tweet of the Day. Oh, yeah. You've done a, a couple of runs on Tweet of the Day, and I, I was lucky enough to to do a couple of those as well. And you, you picked some brilliant birds to talk about on your Tweets of the Day, one or two which have made it onto your list today as well. But you mentioned on Tweet of the Day that your parents were birders, and that's how you originally mm. got your interest and how you were hooked in from an early age. Yeah, there was a live birdwatch week on TV from the Fine Islands, and I guess it must have been in the school holiday. So I was around the house and... But I obviously started watching this and was really interesting. So I think then they started being like, oh, well, let's do bird watching with Fife. And it became, and I, I quite quickly became a lot more obsessed, you know, than than them. But I mean, we all we all really got into it. So it was, yeah, it was a big part of, of my childhood. And then we moved to the countryside when I was eight. So most weekends, that would be what we'd do. We'd go out to nature reserves. And yeah, brilliant. It was lovely. Yeah. And did they take you to the farms as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, um, yeah, we had a few holidays up that way, I think. So yeah, we went to the farms then and I've been back since. Yeah, it's an amazing, 
it's an amazing spot. Yeah, it is getting pecked on the head by Arctic terns. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. Galapagos of the North. No, it's incredible. And I got to like, I was really privileged. I, I sort of know someone involved in the, the reserve and was able to stay there for a few nights to be on on the island in the early morning before the boats of people come in. I just remember getting up really early, like five or six one morning and walking around. And like, it's just you, that huge sense of being like completely in bird world. Yeah. You know, this is not the world of humans. Yeah. You, you are a, a stranger here. And it, it was very, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic spot. That sounds awesome. And I believe it was maybe the Farns or an extrapolation from there that that's how you ended up with the band name Guillemots. I think with Guillemots, it was just, uh, there was no big master plan. Like I never thought it was a particularly good name or anything. We just needed a name. Yeah. And it's so hard to kind of, it's a really hard thing to come up with band name, unless you've sort of got one from the start. Like my brother has a, has a group called the the Courtesy Group, and I think he probably had the name before he even had the band. You yeah. Know? But like with me, it was just yeah. Like we had a gig book in one of our early incarnations, and and we in fact the first gig we were called Kitty Wake, and then found out there was a band called that somewhere. So I think I I think I just told myself let's whittle it down to birds and then let's whittle it down to seabirds just just to have some parameters. And I remember thinking Razorbill sounded kind of like a metal band. Yeah, it definitely does. But puffins just said I don't know Guillemots just sounded a bit kind of like it it didn't have too much of an association. It sounded like yeah. vague and sort of mysterious. And, I'm you know. I'm guessing you ruled out Shag's early doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have yeah. that would have been a, a particular niche, I think. Um, <laughs> And I mean, it's a it's a minefield, isn't it? I spend a lot of time thinking, far too much time thinking about what I would call my imaginary band because I can't play an instrument, but yet I always aspire to to being a rocker. And yeah, the, the number of times I've gone, that would be a good band name. And you know, it's it's completely meaningless because I'm never ever going to be in a band. You never know. Well, you know, and sure, it would be bird themed, but you could have picked the wrong bird. You could have gone for coots or, or grebes. You definitely probably wouldn't have had as the success that you've had if you'd called yourself grebes. No, I'm thinking now of that. You've put that on Twitter, haven't you? There's a, there's some guy on Mastermind or something. <laughs> I can't remember what it is, but Grebe is the... Grebe is the answer, yeah. And it was... And it was totally the wrong... Yeah. The answer was Black Cap. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is not funny at all unless you're a birdwatcher. Kind of. <laughs> me, me and my friend Rob, who's also a birdwatcher, we've known each other since we were eight and we, we sort of... It's such a niche humour, isn't it? Because like, you're only kind of... yeah. Definitely. We have another friend, Ben but he will now and then send a photo to one of us of like a bird and be like, what's this bird? And it's like a picture of a black bird and like, just kind of, God help me. Like, friends <laughs> just ask what this is. Like, where do I even begin? <laughs> Two of us just sniggering away, like condescendingly. Yeah. yeah, it's good being the person in your group of friends who's into birds. Cause you, yeah, I'm like that as well. I get WhatsApps going, what's this? Yeah, it's a kestrel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sparrow. Occasionally it'll be something good though. Somebody was like, I saw this perched on, you know, what's it? And it was a Merlin. And I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. And actually I was with my partner at the time years ago in up in Cumbria and we were walking in sort of moorland and there was this noise and I started doing this sort of expert speech on now that, that noise, that is a bird called the stone chat <laughs> because it sounds a bit like two stones being rubbed together. You see this? Going like, <laughs> and then, a ring oozle, which I've never seen before, flew. And I was like, that wasn't a stone chat because I'm pretty good with bird noises. And it's it's not that similar, really. But like, obviously, I, I can sort of see why I got confused. And then, you know, yeah. 
but that yeah totally stood me up it's like nah but that was exciting oh amazing um, i mean ring oozle another amazing bird definitely mm. yeah so just thinking about band names there's been a long tradition of bands named after birds hasn't there you know there's the eagles the black rose flock of seagulls but there's loads of songs named after birds as well blackbird by the beatles obviously yeah. albatross by fleetwood mark starlings albatross that's a great one it is isn't yeah. it yeah uh, starlings yeah. by elbow water rail by abba <laughs> imagine water rail <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Red Wings by Gillimots, and I love the fact that it's a song called Red Wings, but actually it's nothing to do with Red it, Wings. No, and it it has though that imagery of of you imagining you're an apple being pecked at by Red Wings. The thing with lyrics that's great is that you they're so open to interpretations. I I hadn't thought of it as me being the apple. It was more just uh, lyrics are so strange. I, I still I, like they're such a mystery to me. It's it's all about letting the subconscious mind do its thing, I find, and just kind of surprising yourself, like a, a, an image or a line or whatever comes out. It's like, oh, that's right. I like that. Yeah. And somehow that image, was it fallen apples on the floor pecked at by Red Wings? There was something slightly sort of melancholy about that kind of winter mist and like old rotting apples on the floor and yeah i don't know it just sort of uh... yeah maybe that that was just always been my interpretation of it that but that's the thing like there's no right or wrong like that i'm, I'm really like I'm, I'm not at all there's no it's not like yeah. no you've you've got that wrong i don't think there's any misunderstandings when it comes to my nightjar superstar song because it definitely is all about making a nightjar a moth smoothie <laughs> <laughs> that is a very direct lyric yeah it, it is yeah and talking to music you've got some new music out at the moment uh very yeah. exciting so since about 2018 you created channels may change your website and musical project yeah tell us about that well i mean that yeah it's it, it's a website you know but it's it's a the idea is that it's a kind of company and it's it's just sort of my the headquarters for all kind like eventually uh, we want to get to the point where there's like channels may change clothing and perfume oh. and events and everything you know but um i just felt like i needed a place on online though that was like my own yeah this bird watcher series is like was a really big deal to me the the ep that's come out recently is a bunch of tracks that were in the series but i originally put this series out it, it was just because i was getting to the point where for years i'd been making all this music and so much of it but I just felt like, oh God, I'm never going to release anything because I want to try a thousand different things on everything I start. And just, I was getting really overwhelmed, but I just had this sort of lovely eureka moment at the start of the year where I just started realizing like, I don't have to wait until I've got the perfect version which combines everything I could ever want to hear in these tracks, you know, until I let people hear them. Because if a friend visits the studio, I'll be like, oh, yeah, do you want to hear what I've been doing? And I suddenly started realizing if I treat everybody like that, well, great. I can just let people hear what I've got at a certain date. And at any point I can come back to it and change it up. And that was really liberating. Yeah. And But then it was like, it's a bit boring if I just have a SoundCloud with loads of different tracks. There's not really much sort of mystery to that. But then this idea came of like trying to create this kind of surreal universe where, which I've always been interested in. I mean, I'd love to do it visually too that dreamlike thing where a piece of music will gradually morph into like someone, some weird character talking, and, yeah. you know, and there's strange sounds and everything. And so, yeah, it became this, it ended up being this 12 part series with each episode being about 25 minutes long. And it is, it's, it's a mix of songs, like instrumental sounds. And there's also these weird characters that keep popping up 
that I, I'd sort of been amusing myself with over the years, but never really knew what to do with them. Uh, but suddenly in the context of this series, it kind of made sense because like, well, anything can happen here. And there's actually, there's, I, I know you are a big fan of the Peregrine. Yeah. But there's actually a really cantankerous, <laughs> posh man called Peregrine in the series. I, that was, that was, I think, my peak moment of enjoyment slash completely feeling like I was losing the plot when I was, because I, I was actually doing these series week by week, these episodes. The idea was every Friday at seven o'clock, I'd put a new episode out. And gradually as the series went on, it became like Saturday evening, Sunday morning. But I was working through the week on what was in each episode, right up against the clock, trying to make it as good as I could. But episode six, yeah, starts with Peregrine making a speech <laughs> at some weird dinner. And uh, and like I just remember like recording this and just like, and then he kind of ends up like choking and falling to the floor and like sort of doing this at the studio and just in tears of laughter, but also like, what am I doing? <laughs> Have I completely lost the plot? Like I'm supposed to be a musician. And, it's hilarious because but... I think you describe his episode as a, a kaleidoscopic personality episode. And then he just ends up, <laughs> right, yeah. he ends up crumpled on yeah. the floor, just sort of like crying that he wants to go to bed and watch The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I... I it's a really, really big deal to me that that thing exists. And it's like, it was, I guess, a sort of purposeful thing to put it on channels, mate. You know, I could have just put it on Spotify and everything, but I sort of wanted it to exist in its own little secret world where people can yeah. gradually discover it. And each episode has like a, a sort of menu in the style of like a Michelin starred restaurant. Yeah, it's... Like, so that's the, it's the track list, but every track has its own like ingredients and stuff. It's just a daft, surreal world, but I got obsessed with, I just want to show myself truly. Yeah. Because when you're making, you know, like an album, like, you know, like when I, I did my Fly in the Moon album years back or whatever, you know, like I, I'm proud of it, but like, it's, it's just an aspect of my personality. Like usually when you're doing stuff, you're just showing a certain side of yourself. And I, yeah. I felt like I want to do something where within it, there's every aspect of me, yeah. like the, the, the kind, beautiful, amorous side, but also the sort of ugly sides of me and the awkward sides and the you know, belligerent, just, just everything. And so, yeah, I, like that is just out there and will be out there forever and it's free to listen to, which was important because again, if I was charging people, I could imagine people be like, I I've just paid good money for this and it's just you talking in these weird voices, you know, <laughs> but uh, it was very liberating yeah, to do. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's a fantastic thing and I, I've listened to them all and, you know, like you say, you've almost created this sort of twin peaksy kind of <laughs> strange world and these crazy characters, but then there's so many different sort of soundscapes and the, right. the birds and you, you find yourself going, well, there's an oyster catcher or yeah, I, can yeah. hear, I can hear a wren and you know, there's, there's all these things and you've just kind of put it all together and it's a brilliant thing. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. So the idea is now, yeah, through now through this year, I'm just going to be putting out all kinds of bits and pieces, like some yeah. things in the series, some newer tracks, like, yeah, yeah. So the Birdwatcher EP is out now, including several amazing tunes, one of which is Woe Life, and here's a little bit of that now. Here we stand before the arches Voltage in the fragments of our bones Close your eyes, it's 
So that was Woe Life from Fife's new EP, Birdwatcher. And it has an accompanying video as well online. Yeah, no, I, it, that was a, that was also a really lovely thing to put together. Like, it's the first time I feel like I've sort of had a video that like, just do the same thing with visuals as you are with, with the sound, you know, like really, really match it together. Yeah. And so that was a lovely process making that video. And each episode of Birdwatcher on, on your website, there's 12 of them, like you said, each one has its own piece of sort of collage artwork, like yeah, almost like yeah. a cover, isn't it? And I've noticed, I've yeah. gone through each of those and I've looked and there tends to be one or two birds in each of those sort of yes. pictures. One of which, and I wanted to ask you about this, on episode one of Birdwatcher, there's a, there's ah. a picture of birds. And am I right in thinking those nine birds on the sea are the right, first bird you're going to talk about today? Is that right or not? No. Aha, okay. No. no. They are black-necked grebes. Black-necked grebes. Yeah. They uh, were taken at the start of 2018 on New Year's Day. We were um, staying with some friends down in, in Dorset in Studland. And I, I liked seeing them on New Year's Day. It felt like a good omen somehow. And yeah. But I mean, I, I can see... Well, I don't want to mention the, the other No, part, well, I, we'll... Yeah, I, I can see where you're at. So let's get down to it. As you know, this podcast is based on the not entirely ridiculous scenario of an impending environmental apocalypse and you have to choose in a very reductive way five bird species to survive the the apocalypse with you the five that you couldn't live without the five that you would want to spend the rest of your days in a desolate wasteland with and you've picked five quite frankly cracking birds today that we're going to talk about well thank you i mean i i feel you know like i i i'm gonna be thinking of loads of other ones i could have chosen but you know i think everybody everybody says that and and it is right. it, it is far too i couldn't do it for example i could probably get it down to a top 10 but i would struggle with five but tell us about bird number one bird number one 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 the red-throated diver we've been building this guy up now haven't we yeah. <laughs> i mean to be honest it could be any of the divers they're so alluring like the black-throated too especially but the it, there's just something really mystical about them I, I don't know how to explain it there's something about the way they look and that combined with the call they're, they're like spirits from another world or something they they, they, they have a yes a very otherworldly definitely yeah aura about them but i remember that was one of those birds that as a kid i like really wanted to see and i'm i'm talking strictly summer plumage yeah, really here yeah they, they they kind of totally lose their you know in the winter they're just ordinary birds I'm it's sorry, true but you know they, they 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 lose it all but in the summer amazing and like i was on a, a holiday in scotland with my mum and dad and i really wanted to see some divers and, and hadn't and there was somewhere where we stopped by a roadside and I kind of, I don't know how old I was at this point, old enough that I could wander off, but not too old. And this is way pre-mobile phones. 
that I kind of wandered off like and I think mum and dad have been like right meet us back here at four o'clock or whatever and I just found a little lock-in with a family of red-throated divers and I was just captivated and obviously completely lost track of time so my poor mum and dad like came back and it was like 10-15 minutes past the time and I wasn't there and it was just like the Scottish wilderness and so they were terrified (laughs) eventually I sort of bounded back there's some divers come and see but yeah, like on the red threaded divers, just it's just that the color even of the red, which is a, it's a kind of rusty yeah. red, slightly orange, like and the black, this kind of markings by the side of it. I don't know. The, I just, I, yeah, just really mystical. Bird. Stunning, is, yeah, like you say, and and the, with the call and everything, and the fact that they're so mm. elusive. Normally, when we see them in the UK, you know, most parts of the UK will see them in passage when they're in uh, that the sort of winter or juvenile plumages we've got a caravan on the coast in Northumberland and that a relatively common bird, but you know, I've only ever seen them once in their summer, summer plumage right. off the coast of Northumberland. I had a similar experience actually to yours, you know, when you, when you stumble upon them in their natural sort of breeding grounds, uh, we were a few years ago in Harris off the, the island off Scotland, you know, Lewis and Harris. And okay. Okay. we were just bobbing around in the sea in this beautiful turquoise water, white sand beach, nobody else around. And I had above me, and it's probably one of my best birding experiences, even though it wasn't really a birding experience because I'm floating on my back in the sea, two golden eagles above my head and behind me, a family of red-throated oh. divers, you know, with young. And it was just, you know, wow, just, wow. I've had that occasionally when you, yeah, you're sort of like, you've got two or three different yeah. choices of amazing birds to look at. Yeah. It's, it's surreal, Fantastic. isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, lovely, yeah. lovely birds, but very dowdy in their winter plumage. You're right. And actually, in terms of the summer plumage, I think one of the things I, I, I suspect that you were like me, you know, poring over bird books as a kid and gravitating towards the amazing looking birds mm. and the birds that you never dreamed that you would see, real dream birds. Yeah. And the divers... I think the colours and the, the geometrical differences between different parts of the colours, you know, the red and the black and the yes. the stripes. and Yeah, geometric is a good word. There are, yeah, there are these very exact yeah, sort of patterns yeah. on them, aren't there? I was obsessed when I was a kid with certain football strips and I always wanted the Danish World Cup strip from 86, maybe. I can't remember. They had an amazing strip and it just reminded me of red-throated divers plumages. It was right. red and white and, and little bits of grey, stripey. But there's almost a kind of hieroglyphic thing as well, almost like sort of yeah. Egyptian kind of. I, I don't know. Like the, but you're right. I guess it's the combination of those very exact geometric markings and then just some of the amazing colours. Unusual. And yeah, they're just, yeah. Just Fantastic stunning. bird. Right. Let's move on. Bird number two. So, Golden Oriole. Oh. Yes, and this one, again, I I think with quite a lot of these ones, it's it's both the dual appeal of the way they look and the way they sound. You know, it's kind of unfair that in the bird world, a lot of the time, it's the male that is the, uh, you know, the stunner. But obviously the way it looks, just that bright, bright yellow. (laughs) Sound like... Greg Wallace, you got that bright, bright yellow. Imagine, <laughs> imagine Greg Wallace doing doing birds instead of <laughs> that lovely beak and vein you got there. Um, that stunning voice, that's a lovely bird. Um, but yeah, it, it's amazing to look at. But really, that weird, slidey, flute-like voice, and that that that's the very specific memory I have that as a child. I borrowed from the library a sort of massive, like, must have been like a nine CD set or something of like the bird calls of Europe. 
Uh, this was the thing back in the day, pre-internet and everything. It was like pirating stuff from the local yeah. library. <laughs> but the, the CD had like a, a booklet with it with time codes, but I obviously couldn't keep that. So I kind of sat there. I think it, it must have been probably tape onto tape with the microphone plugged in. And in between each one, I'd be kind of going, Red Fruity Timer, Black Fruity so, so that I had then these tapes that I could listen to. But obviously listening to them as I went in, like certain sounds really stuck with me. And I, I must have really remembered the Golden Oriole. Because then I was on holiday with mum and dad in France, I think, in my early teens. Beautiful summer, beautiful countryside. And I suddenly heard this noise and I just, I just ran around. I was like, it's got Noriel, which I, I couldn't have heard in years, but it must have just stuck with me that, you know. And then sure enough, like, there was one sitting right on top of a huge, tall conifer tree, which in itself was quite lucky because they, they don't always tend to sort of show themselves that well. But um, yeah, it's just a really idyllic memory and just a bird I, I had one on my side you know to, to a bird that would fill me with with hope I think yeah they, they would wouldn't they just like you say hearing that call looking up and then seeing that stunk and yellow amazing yeah I've, I've had a similar experience as an adult no not not as a child but being on holiday Croatia it was for me you know you hear that weird otherworldly again that that word yeah. that hoo, 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 kind of sound yeah. and then you look up and then where is it where is it and, and then you spot it yeah it's funny isn't it because I think there's there's that thing about bird watching versus birding you know that you can bird with your ears as well as you don't have to mm. see the bird but by golly when it looks like a golden oriole seeing it helps Oh yeah. But, I mean, a, yeah. a lot of birds, you don't need to see them. You know, you can be entertained by the song for hours without actually seeing the bird, you know, nightingales, song thrushes, whichever would be yeah. your bird's song of choice. But golden orioles, I think seeing them does does help with the experience. Yeah. Have you ever seen definitely. one in the UK? No. 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 They do breed somewhere, don't they? Not now, the not now. They, oh, right, they, they were. They okay. used to in Lake and Heath in, in Norfolk. Right. There was a, a plantation of poplars. I think the poplars were originally for uh, swan matches, you know, the match trade. But then when matches were overtaken by lighters and things like that and became less necessary as a household item, the poplars were not being planted. And I think they like the very specific old Orioles, I understand, the they like poplar trees of a certain age, and once they get right. beyond, beyond that, they're not interested. Right. Um, so there were there were a, a very few pairs breeding there um, up until the sort of mid noughties I think. And I okay. I went on one of their last years there, and I heard them and heard that crazy call, but yeah. didn't see them. And then within a year or two, they they, they haven't bred in the UK since then. I don't okay, think anyway. Okay. Or if they have, they've been very that they've been very secretive about it. Yeah, but I think yeah. the BTO would say that they're not a breeding species now. So I think that was the last the last recorded That's breeding back. Yeah, maybe one day they'll come back. We need to plant more poplars. Um, <laughs> draw them in. Um, right, let's move on. Tell us about your third choice, bird number three. Bird number three. Three, three. <laughs> the Beata. Yeah. Well, again, I just... Uh, the most just delicious colours. I used to have a shirt when I was a kid, this kind of satin shirt that was almost like Beata-like in it. I, I wish I could find an adult version of it. <laughs> like, uh, that's what I want to look like. It's kind of like a rainbow. It's just got such a, a gorgeous makeup of colours. But also, again, the sound, that's trilly kind yeah. of noise. I, I love it. I was like, I remember also years ago being on holiday. Well, not on holiday, but at a wedding abroad. And I didn't have, I stupidly hadn't brought my binoculars. And the wedding ended up being like in the sort of Spanish mountains. And it was like, 
And then there was beaters flying around. I had to do this kind of gorilla bird watching. I was like, I didn't have binoculars, but I was still, you could see them, you know, but yeah. And I think I remember like watching a program as a kid about the Camargue and the various birds there. And there was, there was footage of beaters there. And it was just one. Of, in fact, I think that's the first time I saw them as well at the Camargue with my mum oh, really? as well. Um, I think so. I don't think I'm making that memory up. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm getting confused with what was on the TV program. I think it happened. Yeah, just, I love colour. Yeah. You know? I, I, I really love colour and I'm realising more and more as I get older how important it is for me to be surrounded by that. Yeah. And um, so they really are just gorgeous They're colours. stunning birds. And I'm, I'm just a sucker for any bird with a bandit mask. Anything <laughs> with a black eye stripe. Right, you know, right. Whether it's a shrike or a beater yeah. or a waxwing. And the way they fly as well is like really... Um, the, the way the way they look in flight, like the the, yeah. the just the way they move is is yeah. Uh, They've got very pointy weird. wings and they're they're, mm, they're quite delicate. The tail. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're fantastic birds. And I did a twitch to one in Sunderland on a rooftop, which I don't go to Sunderland very often, being a Newcastle United fan. But <laughs> and they have bred in the UK, you know, in recent years, quarry near me, and then down in County okay, Durham okay. a few years Have ago. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, very occasionally. Um, right. Unlike golden orioles, they're they're much more likely to pitch up over here. Okay, I don't know. You you mentioned there about that shirt you had as a kid. And I'd been thinking of a new item for this podcast, and this might be the very first time I'm going to do it, and it's going to be called Zero Punches Pulled. And it's a probing question you're unlikely to be asked anywhere else. And my question for you was going to be, if you had to dress like any bird for the rest of your life, which would it be? Mm. I think I think we probably know the answer. answer. (laughs) Already, it's going to be a bee there, isn't it? Definitely. I think for me, it would probably now, if thinking about it, it probably would be a pied flycatcher because then at least I could blend in at the match. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you could be... get into a sort of a fancy dinner, black tie kind of event as well. Well, yeah, exactly. You'd be turned away at the door. Yeah, yeah, no, they wouldn't be letting me in. No. Or maybe go jackdaw because then, you know, you've got a little bit of blue in the eye. You could... Uh... Oh, I'm thinking about this too much. Sorry. I got turned away years ago when I was out for, for wearing a black suit like but for wearing a kind of rat pack uniform oh like, really i had a phase of like a brief phase of like going out in like you know black jacket yeah, yeah. white shirt black tie. I, I just thought it was the most ridiculous inverse snobbery anyway it was obviously to do with the idea of not wanting bankers be in their club which is just a bit like you know? oh that's crazy yeah it's just so it's you know I, I find that kind of thing really silly it's like yeah you, you're trying to battle snobbery by being a snob in the other opposite direction it's but yeah, I thought they were joking. The guys just, I'm sorry, sir, it's a no suits policy. <laughs> you serious? That I is... can't come in because like, I've made a bit of effort. Like, oh, God. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Was that your yeah. fly yellow moon phase? Because you wear a, a black yeah, suit yeah, on yeah. that yeah. album cover, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it was, it was kind of that year, I think, or, or around, around, around yeah. that year. Yeah. Oh, man. It's Dalston for you. I think yeah. if you're dressed like a bead, uh, if you're going to get turned away from anywhere, then <laughs> you wouldn't want to be in that place anyway. So tell us about bird number four. Yeah, the reed warbler. Not such a sort of exotic word to look at, but just an amazing song. So full of life and just all over the place, frenetic. And and I just love um, 
that kind of landscape. I ended up getting to spend a lot of time in Somerset last year, like Hamwall Nature Reserve. And that kind of landscape, like reed beds, I, I just, there's something about it that I really, I mean, I think part of it is it's the sort of area where you often tend to see quite exciting birds. But I think even beyond that, there's just something that yeah. speaks to me about that kind of landscape. I don't know, past life stuff going on or something, but like, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it sort of represents, it's kind of like the, the calling of that kind of yeah. s- certain type of wilderness. It's definitely one of my favorite kind of landscapes, like reeds, bog. And I think it, it, in those kind of environments, there's a lot of birds that you can see, but they're right. They're going to be hard mm. to see. And when you do see them, it's amazing. So if you see a bitten or a water rail. Yeah. Well, I saw a bitten for the first time last year at Hamwall and like flying over. And I've, I've just never seen one before. I was really surprised how it looked in flight. It was like quite different. I thought it would be way more heavy looking like a heron. And it was actually yeah, quite yeah, sort yeah. of pointed. It flew right over me. Yeah. I, I, but I, was, I didn't, at first I was like, well, what is that? And I realized, oh, God, it's a bit, but yeah, it surprised me. Anyway, I digress, but yes. But I mean, I guess with warblers, there's there's loads of birds in the warbler family. And obviously you've chosen that one specifically because of the environment. And I feel a bit sorry for reed warblers because they're, they're one of those species that the cuckoos come and take over right. those, those beautiful little basket nests that they spend days and days and days making suspended between the reeds. And then cuckoo comes along and pops its egg in there and, you know, poor reed. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Deal with all of that. <laughs> but no, so to me, the song is, I mean, the sedge warbler too. In fact, I had a, yeah, I, I did this kind of interview for birdwatching magazine a few years ago and went walking with this guy in a place that had both. And he was, I was a bit rusty on the difference between sedge and reed warbler. I would sometimes get them confused. And I, I think I kind of, he helped me nail it that day. I mean, they are quite different when you really AB them, but they're, yeah. they're at, at a cursory listen, they're quite similar. But um, I think the reed warbler wins. I once remember a quote that I read somewhere that you'd said that you're never going to top bird song as the ultimate pop music. <laughs> All we can <laughs> yeah, do is try to come close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of those kind of quotes you make that's like, a bit, you know, Maybe a bit of an overstatement, but it's, yeah, I mean, it is. I, I do love, yeah, listening to Birdsong, it never, never tires, no. you know. And obviously, as we mentioned earlier, with the current music you've been making the last few years, you've been incorporating some of those sounds into the music as well. Yeah. Fantastic we stuff. We kind of always, I mean, in Gillenwatts, we sort of often try to too. I mean, it, it just makes sense. I mean, that was, because this was pre really the sort of computer music age when everyone's making music at home. And we seem to get a lot of sort of, curiosity about using some unusual sounds and stuff but it was you know it was never like a kind of oh let's be weird it's just like why would you not want to try and <laughs> incorporate as many sounds and like sometimes yeah there's something lovely about having a bird in there that kind of you know yeah i i, I really enjoy that and and you can record a bird on your phone and i mean turn it into a sound i've done that with some foxes recently as well like it, it, it's it's lovely when you've got a sound that you know was originally a living creature as well that's that's a really nice thing yeah brilliant so let's move on and talk about your fifth choice bird number five the barn owl just again i would maybe i seem to keep going for things that seem to be sort of somewhat otherworldly like spirit birds to me but um, yeah ghostly almost doesn't seem like a bird somehow when you see it flying around it sort of very much seems like a spirit and obviously you can see them in the day but very often you see them at that sort of eerie kind of point of dusk you know when it's not night but it's yeah there's just a an atmosphere yeah yeah i think probably the first time i saw them as a kid was 
we got tipped off about a sort of an old barn in the Worcestershire countryside where they were and went and sat in the car and then sure enough out it came and was then flying back and forth and yeah I love them. Yeah they're great birds I remember just a few years ago now when the kids were younger taking them just to my local reservoir because there was a white-winged black tern there one afternoon. Lovely bird and I'm pouring over this tern and but there was a barn owl flying around in the field which right to them was infinitely more interesting than yeah, this this, yeah, yeah. this smudgy looking seagull yeah, yeah yeah um you know but they were like you say it's that that ghostly the white incredible spooky birds and especially if there's mist or there's the sun sort of like going down or just coming up they're, and it they're... just seems so silent somehow the way it flies i mean it's not really any quieter than loads of other birds but it just yeah the 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 whole way it moves and everything. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think there is something. I don't don't quote me on this, but I think there is something about them that makes them, you know, particularly stealthy. Right. But they they they'd make a great song, wouldn't they? As well, you know, you could you could. I'm surprised Ralph McTell or somebody never did a song about, <laughs> yeah, about yeah, a yeah. barn owl, spooky the yeah, barn owl could, or something. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. It's a, it's a poetic bird. <laughs> well, Fife, you've chosen the five species that would roam the land with you in the increasingly likely possibility of an environmental catastrophe and extinction mm-hmm. event of dinosaurian proportions. But oh, only one of these five can be your champion, your ultimate spirit bird. Oh. The one to represent you and battle it out in this godforsaken, ridiculous clash of claws and beaks that I have constructed for pure entertainment. So... Which bird is it going to be? Oh my goodness. That is tough. (laughs) I am going to go with... um, It's a big decision. All right, I'm I'm, going to go with my very first... The first one I rolled off, red-throated diver. The mystical bird of the the waterlands. Absolutely. And I thought you might. And this goes back to that very first conversation that we had on Twitter or one of our very first conversations where we talked about which bird you would be. And you said red-throated diver because they were, right. you know, they, they, they sort of seem to embody you. So I thought you might. And this series, I've taken the umpire role off myself in deciding who wins the battle with my peregrine. And I'm using a variety of devices to ensure the contest is fair. Right, I've, good. I've, yeah, good. I've played top trumps with Kabir Call. I've invoked the phone-a-friend clause with Megan McCubbin. And for your pleasure, Fife, I've created our very own version of the Bruce Forsyth classic game show, Play Your Cards Right. So I'm going to show you what I've got here, which nobody will be able to see because this is a podcast. But I've got five cards. There's your red-throated diver. So this is based on, I'll show you this, Fife. This is based on a playing card deck I've had for many years called Sea and Coastal Birds. I don't know if you can see wow, that. Wow, that's great. And all yeah. the birds on it are birds you see at the sea and the coast. And it just happened to have red-throated diver and peregrine falcon. So here's my okay. five cards. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Play Your Cards Right, what it is is one card at the start. And for me, it's the peregrine, which is the ace of diamonds. And for you, mm. I'll have to try and lift this up. It is the red-throated diver, unfortunately depicted in winter plumage. Oh, terrible exactly through your hearts so now fife you're going to go up against me and you're going to say higher or lower based on the number on the card 
and we'll see who wins. And which I actually I'll... have no idea how to play player cards, right? Right. Really. Well, yeah. this is I will explain as we go along. You've got the three of hearts. You have to say right. whether the next card is going to be higher or lower. I just have to guess. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then if fine, you get fine. to the very end, you're the winner. All right. So higher or lower than the than a three? Higher. So you're going to go higher. And it is. You've got, what's that? Kitty Wake, which is a jack, which is higher. Okay. I have got Peregrine, and it is the Ace of Diamonds. I'm going to say lower. I've got a Chuff, which is a nine. Oh, nice. My nice. son set these up, so he promises that it's not rigged. <laughs> it's all um, fair. Yeah, okay. Okay, so your, yours was a jack, higher or lower? Ooh, lower. Gannet, three. <laughs> You're still in the game. So I've got to be got lower it. than a nine. So I'm going to say lower. What have I got? Grape Lover, six. Nice. Okay, you've got a three, five, higher or lower? Well, okay, I'm going to say higher. Higher. Five, Snow Bunting. Snow Bunting. You're still wow. in it. Wow. Wait, I'm going to say higher or lower than a six. I'm going to have to go higher. I've got a nine. I've got a Storm Petrol. It's going down to the wire, five. Oh. Higher or lower than a five? Higher. Higher. Oh, it's a nine. And... It's a guillemot. Hey, of course. I, I think my son may have fiddled that. I think and, that might have been a... Yeah. <laughs> he may well have done. Um, but I was going to say... Hang on, what was I going to say? I was going to say lower than a nine, and it was a queen barnacle goose. So this week's winner of Golden Grenades... Wow, okay. ...is Fife's Red-Throated Diver. Wow. <laughs> I was I was right to believe in that bird. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Fife, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. My silly it's been podcast. Really fun. No, it's 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 been lovely. Um, so, tell us what you've got next because I know you're going to release some more music. Yeah, just I mean, I'm sort of like there's various tracks I'm working on at the moment. There's there's other bits and pieces I've amassed. Like I've got this huge tub of tub of stuff, as I call it. You know, so the idea is to just start putting out all kinds of bits and pieces, really. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully start playing some shows yeah. again in real life. I've been doing some sort of live streams. But, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, you have been. Yeah, just just getting music. You know, I, I've just felt like I needed this bunch of years just creating in sort of my own little world. But now I'm, it's just like, right, I just want people to start hearing all this stuff. Yeah, so. great. Yeah, that's where we're and at. And hopefully with the restrictions lifting... I'll get you up to Newcastle and Hopefully, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll get that gig done once and for all. That'll be amazing. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, thank you so much. No. It's been great. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, that's all we have time for this week, folks. Thanks very much for listening. Do join me again next week when my special guest will be the nature writer and illustrator, Tiffany Francis Baker. Until then, bye for now.